Welcome to episode two of Nobody Knows. This is... In re- which we attempt to know. That's right. I'll agree with you this time. We are recording on President's Day, another Monday holiday. It seems that we like to record our podcasts on Monday holidays. Yeah, it's been a little longer between last podcast and this podcast than I was sort of thinking that we would need, but we're new with this, so just sitting down with the recording and editing it for the first time and getting set up to have uh, an account where we can share this with people has been a little bit of a process. If we only do once a month, I'd be fine with that. Given the amount of research that we've been doing for some of these um, topics and some of the things that we're planning coming up, I think that's probably realistic, if not um, as ambitious, I guess, as I'd like. Yeah. Well, I think it's okay for now. So today, I mean, I'm just going to float this name for the episode. I think we should call it the the NFL and the GOAT. Oh, Lord. <laughs> because if we're going to talk about the NFL and we're going to talk about football, I don't think that we can pass up the, fra- the fact that Tom Brady just won his seventh Super Bowl okay. in 10 <laughs> appearances. I We are definitely going to talk about that, but I think before we get into the meat of this episode, we wanted to talk a little bit about what we've been reading or watching or listening to, um, right? Yeah, let's do that as our first our first segment. Okay. So do you have something you want to share or do you want me to start? You should go first. Okay, so um, one thing that we have been watching together, well, have been watching, uh, as in completely already watched all of it, is Ted Lasso, the sort of new uh, Apple Plus TV series. Um, starring Jason Sudeikis, uh, where he's a college football coach uh, who moves to England to coach soccer, and that show is amazing and hilarious. College football coach from Kansas City. From (laughs) Kansas City? Not like he's a New York football coach. (laughs) He's coming straight from the Midwest. Oh, no. And are we even sure he's Division One? Can't remember. I think he might have been Division Two. Yeah. I don't know that they completely specify. Um. But that show is great. I mean, Jason Sudeikis is always hilarious. And mm-hmm. even though I wasn't aware of much of the other talent on that show, he doesn't outshine anybody. That show is a team effort and it's great. Yeah, I agree. Uh, <laughs> don't know. <laughs> Keep going if you want. Oh, I mean, we don't have to go deeper than that. I just, if you're looking for a show with a lot of heart and a lot of humor, it's do not look any further. It's also great when you find a show that's so like digestible in like one or two goes there's 10 episodes of 30 minutes each so you can watch the whole thing in five hours which is we, we took our time though and, and spread it out over several days which i like to do i'm you know i'm not a binger i know you're a binger you could sit down and watch <laughs> 12 episodes of a tv show in a day but i can't do that i mean it, de- it depends on the show i mean i could this show i could have seen myself watching that quickly although we did not, but I think like we watched a string a, a season of Stranger Things in two days once, which is about similar length. Yeah, I I like to take some time and let the let the material sink in, <laughs> and I don't want it to be over too quickly if I like it. Well, yeah, there is something to be said for savoring things. On, I mean, as far as that goes, I've enjoyed that a lot of these streaming services have started releasing um, their series one episode at a time instead of just dumping the whole season 
that was nice when it was novel, but now it's like, let's get back to the slower pace of things. And we have the Mandalorian to look forward to on Fridays or the boys to look forward to on Fridays. Yeah, I agree. It makes it feel like more like watching TV in the old days when you had to wait for it to come out on network television every week. Although you do not have to, as the commercials start, sprint to the bathroom and try to pee before the commercials end. <laughs> so there's still benefits to yeah. the current way of doing things. Do you have anything else you're you're reading or watching or listening to? I didn't prepare much for this segment this week, honestly. I I guess, um, I mean, we're still reading the Wheel of Time books because, like we said before, there's 14 of them and some of the books are nearly a thousand pages. So I think we'll be talking about that for a while. I'm on the fourth book. I think I was on the third book in the last podcast. And I think this is the best so far. Yeah. And when last we spoke, I had stopped after reading the first book, but I've been reading these books as I as I walk on the treadmill every day or three times a week. So now I've almost caught up. I'm, I've just started the fourth book as well. So uh, I'm coming for you. Yeah. Well, I'm glad when you catch up because then we can talk about it. I don't have to be cryptic in the, in the uh, descriptions of the things that I just read that I liked. That is true. I'm not overly concerned with spoilers, but I know you don't like giving spoilers. No, I don't like to give spoilers or get the spoilers. <laughs> uh, other than that, we've been still trying to work on the house a little bit. That's we true. We're running into all kinds of crazy difficulties with back orders. Oh, deliveries. And shipping of... delays and broken merchandise trying to get things delivered. So Evidently, everybody in the United States is in- installing interior French doors right now because there do not exist any anywhere. I guess. I I understand that COVID is interrupting supply chains, but it's um, it's kind of getting a little tiring hearing that excuse over and over again. I mean, it's either supply chains or, I mean, for sure the demand has to have increased yeah. as we see home improvement uh, going through the roof right now uh as people are stuck at home and can't do anything else they're working on their homes so we're not alone in this endeavor no that's true oh we just watched uh the first episode of a show that's come recommended to us actually by i do want to bring this up the um the gentleman that wrote our lovely theme song, which ha- we had not received yet at the time of recording last time, but which did air at the beginning and end of our episode last week. Uh, that that was written by uh, my brother-in-law, uh, Doug, and uh, we thank him for that a lot. Yep. And we thank him, too, for his recommendation of Merlin, which we watched the first episode of and enjoyed although i think we need to watch more to determine just how much but we both agreed we're gonna continue watching right yeah i I agree it's the pilot was good i'm just i'm just my my one little nitpicky thing was it came out in 2008 is that right yeah i think so i don't understand why it was why it was so fuzzy yeah, it's filmed I, like it was made for the WB. It, it looks it looks like I'm watching it on my like old CRT in the 90s or something. I don't understand why it's so blurry. Yeah, it's hard to but they have uh, not a, blurry but grainy. It's very low low resolution. I don't very low. I don't understand why the the images in the 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 icons for the what streaming service are we watching it on Netflix. Netflix. 
Yeah, the cover art is perfectly in HD, sharp lines, but some reason, as soon as the show starts, it's Yeah, I'm not sure where it aired, if it's a British TV series, but I know stuff that airs on BBC sometimes has that kind of lower visual quality. BBC, you need to upgrade Um, your cameras. I mean, the special effects, on the other hand, are amazing. We've got dragons and... (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) Amazing for 2008. Mm. Incredible, ladies and gentlemen. Um, okay, no, we're... all kidding aside, I do. I I did find it fun and funny, and and we both agreed we we want to see more. So yeah. thanks like to, to Doug both for our theme song and that recommendation. Yep, thank you, Doug. So now I guess um, we Super can Bowl recap. Sure, this week we're going to be talking a little bit about football, um, partly because the Super Bowl just happened last week. The season wrapped up, and. Um, yeah, football is just something that we love. Um, although there's a lot of caveats to that love that I think we're going to try and talk about today. So um, just to get started, I guess, if you want to talk about the Super Bowl. Yeah, so the Super Bowl was highly anticipated. We had one of the, I'm not sure if he would. well, was Patrick Mahomes the youngest quarterback ever to be in the Super Bowl last year? In any case, Patrick Mahomes is 25 years old playing against the greatest quarterback of all time, Tom Brady, who is 43 years old. So we have a quarterback who was in kindergarten when the other quarterbacks started in the NFL, and they played against each other in the Super Bowl. I do think that that's certainly the biggest age difference. I, I think that's I, been noted. But, uh, yes, the, 18 years. This article, the youngest quarterback to start and win a Super Bowl is not Pat Mahomes. Mm. It is. Do you have a guess? It's somebody that's won more than one. Don't tell me. Don't tell no. you. Is it Joe Montana? <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say it could be Joe Montana. No, he but it's someone make... you probably like just as much. Someone I like just as much. Okay, I don't know if we should play a guessing game on here. <laughs> okay, it's uh, Ben Roethlisberger. Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah. He was he... 24, I guess? 23. 23. So big Ben, this might be his last season. Actually, it, he's. I mean, I think he's in pretty bad shape. I don't think he's announced his retirement. Um, but the the Steelers, if he's going to stick with the Steelers, there's no chance they have a Super Bowl run the next couple of years. <laughs> no, it's true. Well, that's just terribly well, sad. They're they're not going to do it. I mean, uh, neither of us are huge Steelers fans. I mean, the, when, well, one of us is a. Steelers hater. <laughs> well, this is the when you got. I'm a 49ers fan, and John is a Cowboys fan. So when you've got, up until a few years ago, the three teams with the most Super Bowls were the 49ers, the Cowboys, and the Steelers. And the Steelers passed us. So a lot of our hate was directed that way until with six Super Bowls until over it, the five Super Bowls that <laughs> Dallas and San Francisco each had. Yes, but then that hate had to be redirected at the Patriots as they. Usurped everyone. And got to six Super Bowls. They got to six Super Bowls because Tom Brady has seven Super Bowls. <laughs> oh, Lord. Six Super Bowls with the Patriots and one Super Bowl now with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So we both thought that this game was either going to be close or a blowout. Oh, I definitely thought it was going to be a blowout, but and I we, did not think it was going to be an NFC team blowing out the AFC. We, we thought the blowout would go in the other direction if there was one. We thought the Chiefs would overwhelmingly defeat them if it was going to be a blowout i mean this has been such a weird season and yet the afc has really seemed dominant i feel like 
it seemed like it. And we had the Bills, who were extremely tough. We had the Chiefs. I mean, the Steelers went undefeated how long in the beginning of the season? Right. They were looking very good. Right. I mean, I think we heard talk about the. I mean, the Raiders crashed and burned, but I think the early Raven, on the it Ravens like... were looking really good. Oh right, yeah. And then the Titans were also looking really good. Derrick Henry, their running back, was Offensive Player of the Year this year, and it seemed and I like I think until the Ravens Steelers game where they had to sit out a bunch of people with COVID, I think it seemed like the AFC had been maybe less affected by by injury and and like COVID benchings. Maybe less. Well, no, actually, the the Titans had a lot of COVID. Oh, right, <laughs> they COVID started positive. all of it. Well, <laughs> maybe I'm just thinking injury. I'm trying yeah. to think of all of the players. They weren't like... injured because they were sitting on the bench. <laughs> oh, Cleveland is another team that we need to talk about that in the AFC that was great. They for... had a great run. So was rooting for them, but Nick Chubb ended up having a a really good season in spite of that uh, injury that kept him out for a few weeks earlier on right he came back but i mean for instance we had um saquon on the giants out for the whole season yeah he's tore his acl um raheem mostert was uh, oh he, he was out a good chunk he of the hurt season. himself a lot this season nick bosa was out almost all season i mean if we're gonna talk about injuries nobody was more decimated than the 49ers that's true the Although the most gruesome injury award goes to the Cowboys. Oh, Lord. And I, I cried. Dak Prescott completely dislocated his ankle and broke, I, mean, I believe, both his tibia and fibula. The foot was just a, dangling was, and spinning in circles. It was no, horrific. It, it was hanging on by skin. When, when the big football men cry i cry it's (laughs) it's terribly sad to me to see a big strong man holding back tears as he gets driven off the field and i and part of it's pain but i'm sure part of it is just knowing that this could be a season ender knowing that it could be a career ender sometimes right it's it's rough yeah well we're hoping that here in Cowboy Nation. <laughs> are we Cowboy Nation? We are oh, not Cowboy this, Nation. This side of the room is Cowboy Nation because we're closer. Because we're closer to Texas. Even though I'm sitting next to a Cowboys lamp and a picture of Trey Aikman up on the wall. God bless Trey Aikman, and we have Emmett Smith over there as well, signed autograph. Right. Um, no, this is 49er faithful zone in this little bubble of the room. Um. <laughs> John so back, was, to, back to the Super Bowl. Oh sure, let's <laughs> let's talk about Super Bowl, and then we can talk a little bit about just our history. Because we have to fans. talk about we have to give Tom Brady some love, right? And I, we I think also we have don't to don't necessarily, but I if 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 you want to, I'm not going to stand in your way. We have to. I mean, he's 43 years old and just won a Super Bowl and played a phenomenal game. I know. Is he a great grandfather now? Is that? <sighs> And so he's been in the league for 21 seasons, 22 seasons. I think he came in 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 2000. And he was drafted, I believe, 199th overall. The yeah. 199th pick is now the best the the best quarterback of all time. Okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> well no. I'll just say Joe Montana never lost a Super Bowl. 
Okay, well, he didn't go to 10 Super Bowls. Well, I mean, he was playing at a time when the refs didn't throw a flag if you got sneezed on. I well, mean, I'll give you a little bit of that. The, the quarterbacks have been protected to a degree that it used to be really rough. I mean, in the 60s and 70s, it was really bad. They got a little better in the 80s. In the 90s got a little bit better. But there wasn't even concussion protocols really in place, even when I started watching football. I remember Troy Aikman getting hit helmet-to-helmet contact, getting concussion, and they would still leave him in the game. Yeah, he can't tell which way the end zone is, and they've got him out there. They just try to screw his head back and on this and was send him not, out. This was not uncommon back then because the quarterback, you tried to injure the quarterback decades ago. Nowadays, they have a lot of protections. Okay, In any go case, ahead and... he's still 43 years old, and he's still playing at essentially the highest level of the game. So I think we have to have some respect for Tom Brady. I will and, say that watching the man act like an endearing drunk in the aftermath of the Super Bowl has actually made me like him a little bit more. He he seems a little more like human and ridiculous, like as he like puts on his Gronk hat and and chucks the Lombardi trophy off a boat. Well, he he's chucking it boat to boat. He was passing <laughs> he was passing the trophy over about 15 feet of water to another group of guys on the other boat. And he was totally in the right state of mind to make sure that it didn't fall to the bottom of the ocean. Yeah. No, I, I actually, I've, I, I've never seen him um, behave so relatably. It's kind of fun. So mm-hmm. um, I enjoyed Drunk Tom Brady a lot. <laughs> I wish he played drunk more often. <laughs> You have to also admire just the season that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have had this year. They had oh, sure. so the oldest coach to ever win a Super Bowl, Bruce Arians, is sixty-eight years old, and his right? family tried to get him to sit out the season for COVID. Right, and he said, "No, nah, I think I'm going to play." So you've got Tom Brady coming down there, his first year at Tampa Bay. You got Rob Rob Gronkowski coming down there, his first year at Tampa Bay. You've got. Some of these older guys, you got Indomitian Sue, uh. Antonio Brown came out of prison, showed up in Tampa Bay. <laughs> they all came down here, and they, I mean, had a had a great season. Like this is not something they that got you Blaine would Gabbert suiting up on the sidelines. <laughs> I mean, that man is just a classic. Oh, Blaine Gabbert, he. Maybe you need to explain what you're talking. I about. mean, okay, Blaine Gabbert was back up to Colin Kaepernick on the 49ers and. We started him. Uh, I don't know how we started him as long as we He's did. He's a terrible quarterback. I mean, we had to start him when Colin Kaepernick was injured, and then Colin Kaepernick was not injured, and we continued to play him. And I think we hung on to him after we released Colin Kaepernick, and he was still in the NFL long after. I mean, he still is, and now he has a Super Bowl ring. And whenever anybody says Colin Kaepernick isn't good enough to be playing in the NFL, uh, Pulled Blaine Gabbard out of my back pocket because if Blaine Gabbard's good enough to be playing in the NFL, then Colin Kaepernick is. <laughs> <laughs> and I, that's just the facts. That's. I mean, who knows what the current okay. state of his football fitness I, is, well, but Blaine Gabbard is terrible. I'm going to pull a nobody knows on that one. <laughs> but I, I, I just, when you look at the season they had, I just feel like there's a lot of guys, some guys with almost nothing to lose and a lot of guys with something to prove. Oh, yeah, and sure. When I saw how hard the defense, I mean, I've never seen defense play as hard as it did in the NFC Championship game and in, in the Super Bowl when uh, the, 
I believe he's strong safety. His last name's Whitehead. He forced... Uh, do you just mean White? No, Whitehead. Okay, they he have a forced, White also. They also have a White, yeah. Uh, he forced two fumbles in the NFC Championship game by just hitting the running back so hard with everything he had with his shoulder and popping the ball loose twice. And the second one, he hurt his shoulder really, really bad and had to come out of the game. But he came back and played in the in the, in the Super Bowl. And I just saw guys playing so hard because I just thought, you know, these guys deserve to win. They're just playing hard. Yeah. They're playing harder defense than I've ever seen in my life. And they held the the Chiefs to three field goals. The yeah. Chiefs have never, I believe, in the Patrick Mahomes era, if we can call it an era <laughs> of, of three years, the Chiefs have never been held to single digits, I think. Well, I know that they've never had a double digit loss, like a loss by double digits. Yeah. I and I don't believe, that. I, well, I'm not sure if they've ever gone a game where they've scored fewer than 10 points and they were held to that in the Super Bowl. Yeah. I and mean, you've got superstars like Travis Kelsey and Sammy Watkins and the really the breakout running back rookie of the year, Edward Zelaire, and you couldn't score a touchdown. That's pathetic. <laughs> I mean, the the one really unfortunate thing about a great defensive game is it makes for not very fun to watch football. Like, I I mean, it, yeah, the game honestly after by halftime it was it was it looked like a done deal. The Chiefs were starting to lose it a little bit on the sidelines, and and it was pretty boring for me. I, I hadn't that. given up on the Chiefs yet because oh, because of in, what happened last year. Well, because okay, we can talk about that, but. Just even in this season in the playoffs, I'm blanking now on who they played in the fir- in their first game, but I believe they scored 21 points in nine minutes or 10 minutes was in it, that game. Was that against the Browns? Again, we'll have to fact check this. We'll have to <laughs> fact check the fact that I said 21 minutes in or 21 <laughs> points in nine minutes, but I'm pretty positive it was something like that. So I had not written them off yet. Okay. I mean, I don't I don't know. It's hard to watch somebody completely lose it and throw stuff on the sideline and think his head's going to still be in the game. You're referring to some of the defensive players on the Chiefs team who yes. just kind of that, obviously lost their cool. Lost yeah, their heads, and have, I just, it in the game. it's hard to, you don't often see people come back from that kind of, it's, it's like they've, it's like they've already decided they're pissed off that they're losing. Yeah, they've mentally checked out at that point. Yeah, so, I mean, I'll tell you who never gave up was Pat Mahomes. He's flying through the air He's completely <laughs> parallel to the parallel surface to of the, the earth and, and and making incredible passes that if people would be able to just catch the things right in front of their face, then... Yeah. Um, well, that was, that was really the the whole tempo of the game was chasing him around because they had no offensive line that could hold the defense back. They had both, they had guys out, but I also don't want to just blame it on that because I think it was just incredible like tenacity on the parts of the, the defensive players. Yeah, and so, I mean, I'll give Pat Mahomes his due. I don't think it was, it, the losses lies on his, or the responsibility of that loss lies on his shoulders. I think he will still see great things from him, so... We'll see what happens next year, I guess, with that. I, um, before we move on from the Super Bowl, I did want to say I super enjoyed the halftime show, which apparently was wildly unpopular across the internet. But I, I find the weekend songs real catchy, and I find 
large coordinated choreo- choreography really fun to watch so it was good times for me yeah i i thought it was okay when we were watching it as well i wasn't blown <laughs> away but it was fine i like the weekend what's your top halftime show of the last 10 years can we go farther back so we can talk about janet jackson's boob <laughs> sure. is that really your top halftime <laughs> that show that was my favorite i think you're lying uh, I really liked. Uh, I, I thought the Lady Gaga one was good. I thought that. I thought the, actually Maroon Five. I thought did a good job. Didn't really, they, last they, year, no, year before no, last. They, they brought the Chili Peppers out, right? Uh. Or am I wrong? I might be way off. Bruno Mars brought the Chili Bruno Peppers Mar- out. Oh no, Bruno Mars. That's what. Yeah, Bruno that's Mars was. Bruno Mars's was maybe the best. I think. Okay, I think actually Katy Perry was like the one that of where my expectations were versus how well she performed. I'm gonna I'm gonna say Katy Perry was uh, the the best most pleasant surprise. Shout out to Left Shark. <laughs> okay, so we've. Just concluded that Tom Brady is the best ever. He's goat of goats. Sure. Okay. I mean, what can I say? Thank you, Tom Brady, for playing professional football at an age that's seven years beyond mine. Makes me feel good about myself. Yeah, and did you want to talk just a little bit about our history as football fans? And Yeah, that's what I was going to bring up, actually. Really? Maybe because we have the same notes. That's possible. <laughs> you want to start? Uh, sure. Um, I have not been watching football as long as John. I, um, grew up in a household where my dad was a 49ers fan, but we didn't watch any football. And my dad tried to explain it to me once and explained it very, very poorly. Um, so I actually didn't ever watch an entire football game until I was a senior in high school and I'm sure that I watched it because I wanted something, wanted to make sure I could have a conversation with John about the game uh, because he was really into football and it seemed like something I should know about if, if so that I wasn't left out of all the fun. Um, so that was the first game that I ever watched was the Super Bowl in 2003. Ironically, the Buccaneers won that Super Bowl as well. Uh, it was versus the Raiders. Beat the Raiders. Yeah, and uh, I was rooting for the Buccaneers in that game because, boo, Raiders. I mean, I don't know why, except that I grew up in a household where my dad hated the Raiders, too. So now they were your cross-bay rival. Or not your I shouldn't say your rivals, but your, the cross-bay team. Yeah, so I mean, Oakland I think versus, there's a certain amount no, they, of... They were Oakland at the time, I should say. I guess they haven't always been. I mean, they were Los Angeles and Oakland. Yeah, they, but I mean, the, that rivalry goes pretty... Yeah, you're, you're, you're either 49ers or Raiders if you're from California. Or Rams. Are there no Chargers fans? Uh, there's like four. <laughs> there's like four. Shout out to our Chargers fans fans. <laughs> um, so yeah, that game was um, great. Uh, I actually don't remember who the halftime show was at that game, but I think it was post... Oh no, it was pre-Jenna Jackson boob. Was it Aerosmith yeah, and I Brittany? I think it was Aerosmith and Brittany. Well, I have no memory of that, so I must have checked out during halftime, just recharging my brain to pay attention to all the football that I had never understood before. I mean, as someone who likes Aerosmith, I thought that was pretty terrible. <laughs> um, we didn't actually watch together. I watched with my family, and you watched with your family. Mm-hmm. But I, if I remember correctly, it was a great game. It was super exciting, and then I was, I was in. 
I mean, I didn't watch all whole seasons yet, but I was definitely in for the Super Bowl, and it wasn't too long before I was following seasons and becoming a true diehard 49ers fan. Mm-hmm. Um, Frank Gore quickly became my favorite player because he was, in fact, our only player, I think, on the offense for something like 10 years. The only consistent player. No, the only player. Oh, the- he just carried. He, <laughs> he just, was the offense. He was just the okay. team. Um, and I actually, my dad won on field passes once, and we went up there, and he signed my jersey, and he's great. I love and Frank Gore. That was at Candlestick. Yeah, it was the last season at Candlestick. You got to go to a game at Candlestick, which was great. It was it was a great stadium. It was hard to get to. I know why they moved, but it was a it was a right great experience to go. Yeah. And then I also went to a game at the inaugural um, season, season of Levi at, Stadium. At Levi Stadium, yeah. And that game was against the Chiefs uh, with Alex Smith starting at quarterback right after he left us. So, mm-hmm. And you've got a brick on the fan walk. Yeah, John was nice enough to buy me a 49ers faithful brick with my name that is on the fan walk at Levi Stadium. Tens of thousands of people have stepped on your name. And I've laid down on it and pointed at it, sort of. John didn't tell me my finger's not pointing directly at the brick, so I have a picture where my finger is just sort of wildly pointing the wrong direction as the brick. Krista is wildly pointing her finger in the air right now <laughs> at where her brick might be. Um, I, we briefly, like, I mean, I, I tried to get into college football, but never really did. We did go to a Rose Bowl game. I got John Texas Longhorn tickets. Uh, the year they went to the Rose Bowl um, before the national championship that they won the, the next year at the Rose Bowl. Um, right. And we went that 2005 was, to the Rose Bowl when they played Michigan. Yeah. And that was great and fun, but I just never have... It, the college football has game. never captured me like the NFL has. Right. Then they played USC the next year in the national title game 2006. Yes. And won. And won. Both games. The one we were at. And right, the they won the, the Rose Bowl non-title game the year before, then they won. Yep, so I guess um, I will still say Frank Gore still my favorite player, and the dude is still going. You want to talk about potential goats in the room? I think Frank Gore deserves some. I mean, if he just keeps playing and putting it, like numbers up like he does the last few seasons, I mean, he's the number three rusher of all time now. Give him 10 more years. Let's see if he goes all the way to the top. I don't see any reason why that's not possible. He could do it. <laughs> but he won't. <laughs> it's not gonna but pass he might. My, not going to pass my man Emmett over there on the wall. I mean, nobody knows. Well, I know that. He's not going to pass Emmett Smith over there on the wall. He's not that far behind. It's mm, far enough. I started watching football... Let's see. Let's add this up. I guess that'd have been like eleven years before you did. (laughs) (laughs) And you were really watching, right? Raised in a football, like yes, a football loving household. Dallas Cowboys fans through and through. Grandma was a Dallas Cowboys fan. Dad was Dallas is a Dallas Cowboys fan. Some of my first memories watching NFL football was probably dates about ninety one, ninety two. So I was about, you know, seven years old or so. And I actually remember watching, um, they used to do an event called the NFL Quarterback Challenge. And it was it was really fun. I think they did it from about 1990 
to I think they stopped in 2007, but like they would have quarterback, like the top quarterbacks in the league would compete in all these like running. Is this what you were watching this morning where you showed me Jim Harbaugh? Yeah, I was, (laughs) because we were going to talk about doing this episode. So I was just like looking up some stuff and I was like, I'm going to look at the quarterback challenge videos. Jim Harbaugh with a magnificent head of hair. Well, that was the 1997 one. That was Brett Favre and Vinny Testaverde, Troy Aikman. All equally great quarterbacks. Harbaugh. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So I remember watching some of that and, and, course the quarterback that everyone knew at the time was dan marino because i mean dan marino was the number one quarterback hands down he he won uh i think two of those in a row something around 92 93 and i also remember watching troy aikman as well because my dad was a dallas cowboys fan and i think though the first time i actually remember watching a football game was the Super the the first Super Bowl that the Cowboys played against the Buffalo Bills because we were actually moving at the time and I remember we kind of got to where we were going late Super Bowl Sunday and I was in a grocery store and they had like TVs and I remember watching Emmitt Smith scoring touchdowns I mean they completely annihilated the the Buffalo Bills in that game I think it was fifty two to seventeen I'll have to look that up but it was a complete annihilation and I pretty much watched football pretty consistently from then on after that just before we move on i just remembered why i was really hoping for a bills buccaneers okay super bowl because the buffalo bills were in the same division as the patriots so they have a tradition when they play against tom brady that they throw dildos on the field and i really really wanted a few dildos to hit the field during the super bowl i just that would have been an experience unlike anything else. And they wouldn't have showed us. <laughs> that would have been an experience unlike anything else. Oh, well, I'm not saying it would have been the best, but name an experience like that. Dildos on the field at the Super Bowl. Mm. He can't think of one, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, he is stunned. <laughs> just Continue. A quick, quick, just a quick digression <laughs> on the Buffalo Bills. So Jim Kelly, who is a terrific quarterback, played against the the Cowboys in two Super Bowls and lost to both of them, lost both times. He also played against the 49ers and lost the Super Bowl. He also played against... The the 49ers didn't lose Super Bowls until I started watching, so... And he also played against the Giants and lost the Super Bowl, and he also played against the Washington Redskins and lost the Super Bowl. So that was just terrible. He went to the Super Bowl five times and lost five times. That is undoubtedly terrible. What that really shows was the NFC dominance of the time. Yeah. I mean, they, I we mean, had they four different teams that they, were basically trying to rotate rotate to see who would be the number well, one. Well, they said for a long time the 49ers Cowboys NFC Championship was the real Super Bowl, right? So Right. The the 90 so the Cowboys won 92-93 and then they lost in the NFC Championship game to the 49ers in 94 and then they went to the Super Bowl in 95 and beat the Steelers. And if of course if it hadn't been the Cowboys, the 49ers would have won those as well. Of course. Yep. And I guess the other thing that I would say was one of my first exposures to football was Tecmo Bowl on NES. Oh. <laughs> I've got to bring up Tecmo Bowl and I've got to bring up Tecmo Super Bowl because they're 
regarded as some of the best sports games of all time. So all of our Tech Mobile fans out there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to keep calling them fans till we have some. So I remember playing Tech Mobile. There was like four plays you could choose from. There were like, there'd be two pass plays, two run plays. And then if you were defense, you got the same four plays. And if you happened to pick the same play that the offensive play, the offensive player picked, then it would automatically like make the defense, the offensive line collapse or cause a fumble or interception. So <laughs> the way to play defense was to look at the person next to you and try to see which play they picked. Oh, that's not fair. <laughs> In any you case, still had a one in four shot. Exactly, of... you had twenty five percent chance of, of picking the same play, and the first the first one that came out came out. I had to look this up because I mean I played it in like ninety one. Back then, video games used to come out and you would play them for years at a time, or they would re release just little updates on them maybe a few years later. So Tech Mobile came out in eighty seven, and I played probably in ninety one, ninety two, and that was about the same time that Tecmo Super Bowl came out. And the first one, they didn't have NFL licensing, so they couldn't use all the team name stuff. So it was very <laughs> generic. They only had 10 teams. They, they had only... things like the Washington football team. <laughs> very generic, like Washington <laughs> football team. What a lame name. I'm actually excited to see what they what they move forward with this season. I kind of like their new logo with just the W and everything. So I mean, um, it looks classic. Yeah. And the colors are still good. Yeah. I'm not going to get into that, though. No, that's fine. We don't need to talk about the football team versus Redskins. So they just went by the team the team cities. So it's just Dallas, Washington, New York, whatever. And then they entered then the then the NFL uh they they got uh permission to start using the team names for the second one. And that game was was great. And that was the game where if you had Bo Jackson, so <laughs> if you played the if you played and you had Bo Jackson Basically, you could run the ball from the one yard line to get a touchdown every play if you wanted to. He was untackleable. <laughs> <laughs> and what was funny too is if you also picked like certain teams were extremely powerful, like they were way overpowered, like the New York Giants actually, because they had won the Super Bowl in '87. And well, I think the last 91. version of Madden that came out, the 49ers were basically unbeatable too. So in the Madden games they tightened it up a lot so that it wasn't like that but in these old games like you pick no, the Giants time. and you're just going to beat anybody <laughs> they're just unstoppable but uh, so anyway I played a lot of that so that's how I learned actually a lot of the NFL player names even wow. though maybe a few of them might have been a few years old and they weren't on the same team anymore because we didn't have a new football game coming out every year so I actually probably learned a little bit about the rules too like downs and you know, just basic terminology and stuff. Yeah, that's how my dad tried to explain football. He said, there's these things called downs. And <laughs> and you you try to get to first down. And, I mean, that is not a good explanation. You just, you don't even need the word down to explain that you have four tries to move 10 yards. And then if you do, you get a new set of tries. Yeah. Right? I mean... It's easier to substitute another word for downs. You have these things called downs. <laughs> what the fuck is a down? <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. No, I, I think that's all. That was my awareness of football. I, I'm afraid we're losing losing our fans at this point because we're just talking about our, uh, how we came into football. We well, should talk about something that's more broadly useful. Yeah, I think really like we wanted we did want to just chit chat about the Super Bowl and our love of football generally, but we also sort of wanted to 
talk about a little, like on a little more serious note, um, some things that we think of in the context of football and how that affects our um, love of the sport or our enjoyment of the sport. Um, and uh, I guess, do you, do you have a particular topic you'd like to start out with? Well, I guess we could just, I mean, we could say specifically like maybe what we like about football or what we like about the NFL. Sure. I mean, I mean, we, we said why we watched it, but I think we could talk a little more broadly about sort of the aspects of the game that make it appealing. Oh, sure. Um, before we talk about the aspects that make it less appealing. <laughs> well, I mean, I think that we've made our love of it clear. I don't think we're in any danger of now convincing people we hate it just because we have some, um, some things that, uh, temper that love a little bit i uh i will say that i do not watch or enjoy any other sports i feel like soccer and basketball are the same sport but opposite where basketball (laughs) everybody just runs around and runs around and they can score a bunch of points but it's going to come down to like one or two points at the end and soccer, everybody runs around and nobody scores. And then it's going to come down to one or two points at the end. <laughs> um, I could conceivably could see myself watching hockey if I could see the damn puck. Um, but really, football is, is um, for me, more interesting because, because you really, like, you kind of, each team kind of has two distinct teams with the offense and the defense. And it seems so strategic um you also can you can have real superstars but the team really only works if if everybody if the whole thing is working together mm-hmm. um i like the pacing of the game i like that there's like breaks between plays it 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 feels more planned out and strategic to me than just watching some guys run around with the ball for 2 hours which is not my cup of tea but maybe you could speak to why why you like the game you kind of covered some of the things I was actually talking about. I wasn't going to talk Crap, bad about the other sports like <laughs> like you were, or talk bad about the the other football. <laughs> I, I what I like is that it, like you said, it's it's both a team sport and it's a sport for individuals. So a, a lot of competition is sometimes. A person versus the course, like a, or a, ver- a person versus the game, and then you get rewarded based on who plays against the game the best. Something like golf. Okay. Or and everyone. Or you're, you're not playing against each other. You're playing against. Yeah, you're playing against the course, and whoever does best is rewarded. Uh, a game like chess is one versus one. You're all by yourself. Baseball. Flips oh, I didn't even that. think about baseball. Baseball which... is, uh, at sometimes it's kind of like you versus a whole team when you're right. batting. Uh, so there's, there's, I mean, baseball is kind of unique that way. Basketball is a sport. Uh, it's definitely a team sport. There's, there's definitely one-on-one matchups, but if basketball is played correctly, which isn't quite done <laughs> in the NBA, uh, it's, uh, it's a true team sport. But what I like about the NFL is it combines both. So you have 11 men on each team at, on the field each time. 12 if you're in Seattle. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> the 12th man. Uh, <laughs> you throw me off. Sorry. And uh, 
each player though still has to do their own part for it to work. If in, in football one one man can fail and it causes the whole play to fail. Yeah. So every person has to do their part. And often in, in football, even though like if you're on the offense, there's a there's a defensive counterpart to you. So if you're if you're playing wide receiver, you've got a you've got a corner that's on you. If you're playing uh if you're playing center, then there's a there's a tackle in front of you on the defense, right? So you've got you've got these counterparts that are just you know the the opposite of you on the field. And like you said, there there's so much strategy. So and it's a huge playing surface, and it's really a game about territory, which is I like games about territory, taking over. It's really about taking it's over. It's the a risk space. of of contact sports it is it's it's about advancing and taking territory till you get to the end point and there's not many there aren't many games like that actually because when you think about basketball there's they just run around there's territory in a way because there's you're defending a goal and you're and you're trying to score on that goal but you inbound the ball and you basically race three quarters of the end of the court with no opposition unless you're in a really tight game you go you go from under your own basket you're defending all the way to the three point line on the opposite end with no resistance and then you're just trying to quickly get it into the basket there's no there's no reward for taking over amount of territory even in football if you don't score you are rewarded for moving the ball farther and farther down the field so that if you punt the other team has a lot more territory to cover on the way back or you get a chance for a field goal. So I really I really like that aspect. And like you said, there's so much opportunity for for strategy because there's so much specialization between uh, positions. You've also well, got... Well, you see that too in how much a good coach can make or break your game where you can have all these weapons and a crappy coach or offensive coordinator that doesn't know what to do with the guys he's got and essentially employs bad strategy can lose the game. Right. The other thing is that football has sort of like what you were talking about before, like you like how there's pauses between plays and, and, and quarters and things like that. It has, both like a, a real time and the turn based aspect, which is really nice. So right, I wouldn't have thought to call it turn based, but <laughs> that's maybe more oh. like a gaming a gaming term. Well, you, so now it's not the risk of contact sports; it's the StarCraft. No risk is turn based. StarCraft no, is real time. I'm just adding in on all yeah, of well, the. It's things got both of those levels. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So you know the ball is dead at the end of a play, and then you have you and then you. But within that, you have de- defined periods of possession. So, so you know, you have that overarches all that. So you've got both real-time, turn-based. So it just really increases the amount of strategy that you can employ in the game. And that really just doesn't exist in a lot of other sports. Right. Yeah, I was just going to say I find other sports boring and football fun, but... <laughs> The the other thing too, I, I guess I should point out is that, I mean, just I, mean, I, I played baseball like as a kid up up to high school, played basketball into high school, so I mean I understand there's a, there's still a lot of strategy, of course, in those games as well, and there and it's not just it's running not around. people aren't just running around and doing whatever they want, but 
and I, I, I only went out for practice in football a couple of times and decided it wasn't for me just for my personality and, and my body type, but, uh, it definitely has more strategy. I think there's just no way around it. Okay. And if, if anything can test, it can be, you know, can testify to that. It's the amount of equipment and number of coaches and preparation that is needed for each game. That's just, it's way beyond what's needed in other sports. Right. Uh, so I guess in addition to why we like the sport, do you want to talk a little bit about what you like about the NFL or versus college football or, um, both? Yeah. I, I, I'm definitely more of an NFL fan than a college football fan. Some people go the other way. They're more into college football than NFL football because what's funny is I feel like it comes down to some people like both, but then some people claim there's always like more purity in one than the other for some reason or another. (laughs) Like, like one's more about the sport and one's more about, and the other one's not, one's about money. One's about this, one's about that. I I tend to think that NFL is the best because first off, I want to see, the best, the best the players best. at the highest levels of of their game. And in general, I mean, that's why I like watch I can watch all kinds of sports as long as I'm watching the best people at the highest level of the game yeah, because I can appreciate we, it. We only ever have to watch the NBA finals in this house. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I can watch I can watch the Stanley Cup, I can watch I mean, I I watch the World Cup even though I'm not really into soccer, but I I I think there's just something you can appreciate about watching professionals who have mastered almost whatever realm they're in to the highest level. It's I mean, I think what struck me after getting into watching football and watching the NFL is that how comparatively boring the average college football game is like there are sometimes still really standout guys and they're usually the guys about to enter the NFL, but I mean, you can flip on any game in the NFL on Sunday and see just some incredible, incredible displays of athleticism. And you're not guaranteed that in any college football game that you turn on on a Saturday. Yeah, that's true. I mean, outside of maybe if you're watching teams that are in the top 25 play, I mean, it's there's some pretty high-level football going on. I mean, I'm not saying they're scrubs. (laughs) Scrubs. Let's... Bring scrubs back as a way to talk about. That's not good. Uh, but I would just also say that the NFL in some ways is sort of more honest about what it's doing than what college football is doing. So I think that NFL football is pretty transparent in that it is purely, I mean, it's, it's sports entertainment. I mean, they know they're there to entertain fans. They know they're there to bring money. money and there's no hiding it. You yeah. know, there it's, that's what it's all about. It's about glamor and glitz and, and performing at an extremely high level and making money. And that's why I don't like college football as much. Well, there's something inherently kind of shady about. Not, oh, I, I, well, let me just say it. not because <laughs> not because I don't saying like I don't like college football because they're not trying to make money and be glamorous. No, they are trying to make money, but they purport not to be. Exactly that's what I was going to say was shady. It's a it's like this unholy mixing of like a billion dollar industry with colleges, but that's not to say that. You know, I'm totally against sports in college. Uh, and like you said, they're, you know, 
uh, just against the universities making tons of money off of them because they're essentially just non-paid servants to the to the university. Completely, they're hugely profitable to the universities. They even like merchandise uh, their images. Like they the these guys that win the Heisman Trophy that appear on the on the video games that get made that year. They're making huge amounts of money off of these guys' likeness and personality and everything. And not to mention whatever they make on concessions and, and tickets and everything. And they're paying these coaches millions of dollars. And, and these guys aren't even allowed to get employment outside of the football team. So you read stories about like a guy making a rap album and, and trying to make some money on the side to send home to his mom. And he gets like cited academically for, for trying to skirt the system. Well, actually... In regard to using their likenesses on video games, they've actually stopped making uh, NCAA football games at least. And I haven't checked recently if they make basketball ones, but I know the 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 football ones are done. Is that due to you think like lawsuits with the students and and sort of due to these issues? I've seen it might be part of it, but I can't say for sure. Yeah, I've seen like I don't remember if it was an old The Daily Show or or something talking about these issues where it's like. You, you, I definitely didn't realize like a lot of these guys are from poor backgrounds and they're there on scholarship and, and then they're, they're not even allowed to make money and it's, it's pretty shitty. Yeah. Well, I think the, the last thing I'm going to say about it is I just want to bring up how expensive it is for universities to have a football program or even small colleges. When we think about football, it's probably the most expensive sport that you could play for a university between equipment and all of that. Yeah, equipment, you know, they have, you have to have probably extra insurance for a lot of these guys because they're mm, getting probably. lots of terrible injuries. Uh, you have to have a state. Yeah, landscaping. <laughs> <laughs> so they have a stadium that is going to be huge. They have 53 man rosters, which is much bigger than most other sports you can think and of. They all need PT and, and massage and, and ice baths and I don't know what. And, and when you think about the tutors, yeah. And when you think about the stadiums, they really only get used for six games in a whole year because you play six home games and six away games. So you build this huge stadium and field and use it six times for actual game day. But of course, other, if it's big, like other sports could use it like soccer, but it, it's a big, it's a big cost. Uh, and I think what needs to sort of be dispelled is this myth that college football earns money for schools. Now, do they Some not of them, through advertising and sponsorships? Well, well no, I was, I'm just going to say that they they do earn money, but for a very small number. So I actually looked this up. In the in 2014, the NCAA did a study. I found this on the NCAA website. Of the 130 FBS schools, so that's the, the bowl series schools, like your Division 1A, like your really big universities. There's 130 of them. And only twenty of those programs generated more revenue than they than they spent on sports. Well, Jesus, what does Bob Stoops make in a year? Uh, well, like, he's, he's what did he make? Right, okay, he's not their coach anymore. I, I mean, yeah, some of these guys make four or five, my four or five cause... million years, oh, million years, four or five million dollars <laughs> per year. And then just to go down the list, not a single Division two school earned more money than they spent on sports. And not a single Division three school. So, well, at, Division three doesn't even give scholarships, right? Yeah. So, think about the 
potentially almost a thousand schools in that list and 20 of them made money on sports. So, so it's a, uh, it's, it's a money pit. So I mean, I know that's, when Jim I'm just going to leave it there. I know when Jim Harbaugh left San Francisco, he was going to be making way more money playing coaching college football than professional. And that just seems insane to me here. We've got colleges, which exist to give young people educations and they're spending more on a football coach than the San Francisco 49ers are willing to spend. <laughs> like there's something totally bonkers about that. Yeah. Um, I don't know if we want to talk about some other issues and regarding football, just things that give us some pause or things to think about. Um, I know we talked about, um, CTE being just a thing that as that entered sort of the general consciousness of the public over the last decade or so. What's CTE? Is it CET? No, no, oh. I'm, just, I'm just, you're just, you're throwing an acronym out that. Oh, I don't know. It's the head injury. It's the brain damage thing. Okay. Right? <laughs> Chronic traumatic encephalopathy. Okay. Yeah, that sounds correct. Okay. But um, I know it was a Will Smith movie and the extent of my knowledge about the Will Smith movie is my Nigerian friend said that Will Smith has a terrible Nigerian accent. <laughs> so, um uh, but just, I mean, it's it's something that you think about. I mean, here, just, just to watch football, you know how violent it is. We see, we talked about earlier, just seeing some of the guys get injured playing. And and most of what you see isn't isn't brain trauma. Most of what you see is just their ankles or their knees giving out and bending in horrible ways. But we know now, too, that, that their brains are damaged when they're stumbling around not knowing if they're in outer space or not. It's not just... Oh, I'm thrown for a loop. They're suffering long-term well, brain damage, and it's not—it's not just those acute events where you have a concussion. It's lots of little tiny hits adding up over the years. What and what's interesting is that I mean, that's what football is known for, and boxing and other yeah. sports where there there's contact like that. But interestingly, I also read recently that a lot of uh, professional soccer players have CTE as well. Oh, from heading the from ball? From heading the ball, yeah. And, I mean, they've been doing it since they were little kids. Yeah. And they said that even the impact of the soccer ball over, a lot, over you know, 10, 12 years or something playing soccer can cause, probably maybe not to the extent the football does, but it can cause a lot of damage as well. I mean, and there's there's just a little, like knowing that this is, I mean, even though these guys are making millions of dollars and clearly they're making a choice to do this, they're, they're grown men and they know the risks, presumably, um, there, we have been conflicted, um, trying to think about watching this for entertainment and knowing that this is part of what, what happens, uh, to these guys. I mean, we've had, we've seen some of the fallout, the, the football player that killed is, girlfriend and himself and then donated his brain because he I'm, I'm blanking on the guy's name junior sale yeah that sounds correct to me uh, um and who knows how much violence off the field is a result of this i mean uh, there's probably quite a lot so um i mean even if we discount head injury we're talking about guys that that like uh Dak prescott who's Ankle's never going to be the same. I mean, we hope he can play and, mm-hmm. again. but um, And you see some guys have taken this to heart and, and retired early. I mean, we had a, 
um, a linebacker for the 49ers that looked like he was going to have a great career ahead of him, and he retired after his first or second year in the NFL. That was Borland, right? Yeah. He was really good. He was great. It was sad to see him go, but you can't blame uh, these guys for putting their prioritizing their health over um, playing in the NFL. And um, there were, it seemed like after the CTE news became more more prominent, there were quite a few people that retired. Yeah, there, there. There was that PhD, the guy with the PhD on he the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, he was working on his PhD mathematics. in math, and he was also, uh, I don't know, near like extremely high level chess player. And I'm not sure if he retired or if he decided. He I'm did sure. retire early. He did. Yeah. Okay. And uh, you know, I was just reading about Bo Jackson a little bit, um, who I mean had a catastrophic injury that ended his baseball and football career. He did play baseball for a few more years after the hip injury. But, I mean, he's he said publicly before, but after hearing about all this, that he wouldn't let his kids play football. And he was, well, you know, one of the greatest. I mean, yeah, that's athletes. something that should give us pause, if nothing else, that these people that made their whole life on football um, not wanting their kids to play um, because they, um, they see the trade-off, right? Yeah. Between the two things. I mean, even this is sort of going down a different road, but even with, like, the COVID situation this year, um, playing football was an added risk for these guys. Um, and I think we're lucky we didn't see any players hospitalized or, um, or worse. Um, but we did see players sit out the season. There was that MD that plays for Kansas city that went back to Canada just to treat people. Right. Um, and maybe we'll see more of this, either kids not coming up playing football because parents are worried or fans leaving, um, being a fan because it's hard to enjoy sometimes when, when in the back of your head you know what what these guys are going to be dealing with and uh, yeah, I mean we still watch. <laughs> I mean it's it's a whole other topic we can get into, but it, you just have to assess for yourself the amount of risk you're willing to take and on a daily basis and how much you're willing to watch other people. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think that's where we come down on it is these guys are making a choice and they are being compensated uh, really generously for it. Um, But it but it it plays into like a little bit our our qualms with college football, too. Not only are these guys not making money, but they're they're engaging in the same level of risk as these professional players. Right. And they're and if they get injured, they get nothing. Yeah. And most of them have no shot in the NFL. No, you know, it. I mean, I've told you about this before, you know, because I played like baseball, basketball, flag football, things like that. <laughs> but that then I did go out early on freshman year thinking I was going to play freshman football, a little tiny, a little small school. But, you know, I only lasted like a couple of practices and realized I wasn't going to be a football player. <laughs> and I remember just that season, I can remember like a guy what he got sent to the emergency room because he got a busted spleen during the game a ruptured spleen another guy tore his acl then these were freshmen and we're talking about a little tiny school with just a few people on the team and i'm just thinking none of these guys were great athletes they weren't going to (laughs) they weren't going to have a life in the nfl their body on the line for that million dollar payoff and they've now suffered injuries that are going to 
affect them for the rest of their lives and they got really nothing out of it. And I mean, I'm just actually glad that I didn't play. Yeah. Because um, I was, I mean, it, I, what was I going to get out of it in the long run? Yeah. Conversely, your brother did play football mm-hmm. through childhood, high school, got a college scholarship to a division two school. And, um, now that he's graduated, he's, he's done, but, um, and I mean, he, he, he did got get a, a free education out of it. Right. He got a lot out of it. It was a good experience for him because he was a real athlete who actually had the skills and the motivation to, to get something out of it. So but I, even so we, we saw firsthand what his body went through trying to do that. Right. His I mean, back he, uh, pain and his fingers broken and right. And those were all fairly minor. Yeah. I mean, relatively, I, but I mean, he was during the football season, he was covered in bruises from head to toe and sore and sometimes couldn't hardly move the next day. Yeah. And we all hope he doesn't see any long-term effects from that. Um, whether his back or, or anything else. Yeah. I mean, there's, I mean, even a lot of guys that play college football, even they still, I mean, they're, they're going to suffer some of that stuff Yeah, for a lot of their lives. But I'm just saying if, kids aren't showing that they're really athletic when they're young then probably pull them out of the risky sports yeah we gotta we gotta whittle everybody down to the most promising although let's let's talk about how how late in the draft tom brady was drafted to the patriots and he didn't play any football till his (laughs) freshman year but he was already a really good baseball player like oh okay so everyone knew he was an athlete already he was a really good pitcher it wasn't like he just walked off you know from the band and decided one day he put down his trumpet and picked uh, yeah. up i'm just saying some of amazing. these guys you don't know how great they're going to be until they've uh they've been, been around for a long time so i mean um somebody might have i mean following your advice somebody might have said you know what tom brady you're never going to be one of the greats you're not starting now until college just play baseball mm-hmm. go be a baseball guy you'll make more money anyway um don't put your body on the line. And, and yeah. then what would we have? I mean, I'd be a lot happier. <laughs> the NFL would not be the same. Um, yeah, I mean, there's not too much more to say about that. Just it is one of the things that's that's gives us sort of conflicting emotions when we yeah. watch. I mean, especially thing, when you see these guys get hurt. It's devastating. I mean, one thing that you did allude to was that it's possible that a lot of this brain injury could be connected to a lot of the violence we see with football players off the field right yeah that's another thing we wanted to talk about is the domestic violence problem of the nfl (laughs) sorry i kind of cut you off with my (laughs) headline no it's fine i was watching you uh use your quotation marks around domestic (laughs) violence like (laughs) oh i mean is it really like I mean, what do you mean by that? I I mean that it was termed like the NFL's oh, domestic the, violence the NFL's problem, problem, as if gotcha. the the NFL it's their responsibility to to clean up the streets or whatever. I mean, this was some of, one of my pet peeves back when this first started. I think around when Ray Rice was videoed pulling his girlfriend out of the elevator by the hair, which is horrifying. Um, a lot of people came down on the NFL and said, it's your responsibility to, to punish these guys, to fire them and to make them suffer consequences. And it's like, really? It's not the responsibility of our justice system to make sure that if you beat a woman to the point of unconsciousness, that you go to jail. <laughs> like we're going to rely on 
um, the was Ray Rice Baltimore Ravens. We're going to rely on the Baltimore Ravens to hand down punishment on on a violent offender. Mm-hmm. I think Obama even released a statement saying the NFL had a domestic violence problem and they needed to get their shit together. And it's like, I think as a country, if we are we are letting people like this go, if we're not able to to take people that have patterns of abuse and either get them into treatment programs or get them put away so they don't hurt women and children anymore. And people that hurt women and children, they turn into the kinds of people that are involved in these mass shootings that happen. I mean, it, this is a huge justice system problem, not an NFL problem. Yeah, imagine if there were, I don't know, uh, a streak of domestic violence issues going on at like, Amazon headquarters in Seattle <laughs> or something where software engineers were beating their their <laughs> yeah, wives and their kids and we just expected that Amazon would punish them for doing it. Yeah, we got to We wouldn't involve the law we wouldn't involve law enforcement. Let's it, not call the police. Let's let's get the CEO on the phone. The difference is that these people are rich megastars, right? Yeah, and I get that they their sole purpose basically at this point is to is for our entertainment. And honestly, they know it's better for business if they can just slap them with fines or a little bit of suspension and send them to jail for what they actually should be sent to jail for. Well, I mean, I would argue that if we if we could send them to jail with our existing laws, that we would. It wouldn't be up to the NFL to decide whether they can make money off of them or not. I think these people happen to be high profile, but we have a huge problem in this country generally, not even, not just with the rich and famous of getting women to come forward in cases of domestic abuse, making a case of domestic abuse because evidence is, is all basically testimonial and then sending people to prison for the appropriate amount of time. I mean, these people that beat women are not, they're not, it's not a mistake that happens once they're pattern offenders. They're, they're, repeat offenders that we need a system for getting out of society and away from us. It's, it's, well, I mean, it's almost, it's kind of interesting that you can almost get suspended more quickly in the NFL for a substance abuse uh, (laughs) charge than for, than for beating somebody up in a club or, or even pulling weapons out. I mean, there, there are guys in the NFL who have, who have weapons charges that, still play yeah i mean and some, I, for some reason it's been up to individual franchises to discipline the guys well again if they don't end up in jail mm-hmm. um it should be up to their employers to decide whether or not they want to employ them right we can't we don't live in a country where as a person who is free to live and work and and doesn't have a criminal record that all of a sudden you can't have a job like that's that's not the world that we live in. That's not the world we should live in. If we if we think these people shouldn't have a job, then we should put them in prison. We shouldn't create a whole underclass of unemployed people that we don't want to punish. We just want them to to live on the streets and yeah. and be jobless. And I mean, the bottom line is, if you look up these cases, um, starting with Ray Rice, although certainly there were cases before that, but I would say that's when attention started to be raised. You can almost draw a line from the uh, profitability and skill, uh, uh, talent of an individual person that's had trouble 
to the amount of outrage that the team uh, displayed on behalf of the victims. So you've got people, if they're if they're great and they're the team needs them to win and they're a personality, it's it's going to be swept under the rug. Look at Ezekiel Elliott who had multiple charges from his girlfriend or a girl he was dating brought against him and that just kind of went away over time um whereas you look at this guy that plays for the seattle seahawks that was just arrested a month ago and see i don't even know his name that's how important he is to the seahawks if you're the backup kicker and you punch your wife and you're toast oh i think that the guy that i think the new york giants kicker um he was fired immediately this guy um for the seahawks they said they don't want him he's gone um he, I mean, he choked his girlfriend to the point of unconsciousness twice, um, and he probably won't work again. But again, I would contend it's because we don't know his name. Um, he's not, he's not, a, he's not an Ezekiel Elliott, we'll say. And uh, I mean, look at Tom uh, Brady would have to be careful though. Could you imagine if Tom Brady <laughs> punched out Giselle Bunchin? Like, oh, the, she's pretty, America's treasure. I'm pretty sure that we'd have some conflicting. <laughs> she's America's treasure, and she's not even from America. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that everybody would be on the side of Giselle. But I mean, look at Adrian Peterson. He's a name. He's not. He's not gone anywhere. He's still in the NFL. We've got Tyree Kill, um, still playing, and um, and I. I mean. It's a pattern, not just in the NFL, it, anywhere. If somebody's going to bring in the big bucks and, and they're a big name, they get away with a lot more. But again, I don't, I would contend it's not the NFL's job to handle the law and order and punishment of criminals. Nope. So, um, yeah, I, I would say that's not something that affects me being able to watch the NFL, although when... If my team hangs on to a guy like that, I get a little bummed out. Yeah, well, if you've been a Cowboys fan for any number of years, you just have to get used to the fact <laughs> that we're just a team full of assholes. And yeah, that's proud of it. Work around it. So just looking at the outline, one other thing that you mentioned that we should talk about is the the role of. Activism. Social activism, mm-hmm. social justice in the NFL, and it it I would say that the NFL probably is second to the NBA in the criticisms it gets for the athletes speaking out about topics, uh, and you kind of get the line that you know the shut up and play ball, shut up and dribble. Uh, yeah. That you know that people have said to Le- LeBron James, but some of some of the same. Sentiments have been expressed toward NFL players as well in the past few years. Yeah, I would say um, as a 49ers fan, I was pretty aware of this kind of movement internally in the NFL starting with Colin Kaepernick um, and Eric Reed started kneeling uh, during the anthem. Um, and that was, I think, leading into the 2016 season. And I think initially they were protesting Alton Sterling and Philando Castile's deaths at the hands of police. Um, at the time I had been off social media and I got back on social media to say people need to just shut the fuck up about criticizing these guys because I completely support political protests, especially nonviolent political protests. I mean, I think there's nothing more effective than the kind of thing that they were doing, which is 
you you can't protest without pissing some people off. So you've got to you've got to do something to get people's attention. But also at the same time, um, they weren't being totally disrespectful. They weren't turning their backs or or sitting down and playing on their phones. They um, I think I read after the fact that Colin Kaepernick had talked with somebody in the military. He had said, I'm just going to sit there. And the guy in the military said, you know what, if you take a knee, you're still showing some respect. You're just making a point. And, uh, I mean, there's a lot of hypocrisy, I think, with people criticizing that kind of action. Um, I think if he'd been out there protesting uh, abortion or something, you would have had exactly a flip-flop of people saying, no, that's not okay, and or, no, he's standing up for people who are losing their lives. I mean, you would have literally had the conversation flipped. So, um, I mean, I think that kind of personal protest, both in... I mean, in sports or wherever, it, it it's um it's not part of the game, but obviously, like that's part of being human is is expressing yourself and your beliefs. There might be, uh, yeah, I, I don't have a strong opinion on it. Like, I I'm not bothered if they want to <laughs> take a knee or not. Like, that doesn't really. Matter. I mean, honestly, I'll even go out on a limb here and say I I think it's weird that the only time I ever hear the national anthem is at a sporting event. <laughs> if if we love the national anthem so much, why don't we play it every morning when we get out of bed? Like, I, 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 I'm just saying, I don't, I don't understand why it's associated with that. Well, but it happens to be, so that's that's the way it is. It's also um, funny. We've been to football games since this kind of stuff has started started to become mainstream, and you get people that are they they stay seated for America the Beautiful, and you've got people giving them dirty looks like they, they don't know that's not the they don't even know that the anthem. I know they know that they don't know the difference between the two songs or which one's the anthem. And also, what we've noticed too is, you know, most people are still just talking and drinking beer and like grabbing their hot dogs during the anthem too. They're not. It's not like the entire stadium of 70,000 people all stop and what they're doing oh, and sure. look at a flag. And even more so when you're at home. I mean, I definitely read things online at the time that was like, uh, uh, like I, my whole family stands and salutes the flag in our living room. And it's like, really? You're doing that? You're, you're putting all your food down. You're quieting your kids and you're all hand over heart in front of the television every game. I know. You watch three football games a day and you got to do it three times. <laughs> So yeah, some of the outrage over that, I, I maybe it's just how I personally feel about displays of patriotism. But and um, look, I'm not, and this I'm saying all this stuff as someone who at the football games I do stand and I pay attention. And if I were a football player, I wouldn't take a knee during the anthem myself. But no, I'm not. I mean, I, but I. That's but part of. What, I'm totally supportive of other people expressing their opinions. So. I mean. I would even stand up for people burning the flag in political protests. So I think kneeling during the anthem is pretty low key. <laughs> um, but that's just, um, I'm not saying I personally would burn a flag unless something r- really got me hot and bothered, I guess. <laughs> but, uh, but I, I completely. It got so hot that, <laughs> that I set a your fire. Your flag just spontaneously combusted because you But were so I totally upset. believe in political protests. I totally believe that that should happen. I believe in it too, but here's here's one thing that I I mean I'm just gonna throw this out there. Let's say that you work at a construction site, or you work on a or you're a software engineer at a business. I mean, are you should you start bringing your political protest into the office? This is technically their place of business, 
Well, I mean, and the same thing goes for what I would say before is that I think I said this last episode and I said it kind of or alluded to it when we were talking about the domestic violence. At the end of the day, the employer, your employer has the right to just be concerned with their bottom line. So you have absolute right to freedom of speech. That doesn't mean without consequence. If they decide that your profitability is going down as you make a, a stand like this, I mean, that's their call. Yeah, I, I'm just saying it. you have to think about the strategy behind it. So if Kaepernick really wanted to make more of a difference, do you, do you think that making this display during one of the 16 games that, you, well, I mean, he did multiple games, but you're, you're appearing on TV 16 times a year. It's part of your job. And then you're going to do this during that time. Could he not have been effective if he had been taking his energy and resources and devoting it to causes outside of the three hours. Well, he has that done hap- that. And I, I, I think a lot of people would argue that, that the kneeling is what got the ball rolling on this. I mean, he, I mean, whatever we want to say about where that movement is in the NFL now, I mean, he started it. So, um, and, and, and they that also is just kind don't of, show the anthem anymore on the, on regular on, on television. They do on on special games Sunday night, Monday night, Thursday night. Okay. <laughs> um, but I mean, that is something we wanted to talk about is sort of the state of the NFL uh, now, <laughs> sort of incorporating Black Lives Matter protests into its merchandising or um, messaging. I don't know, like the end racism on the on the end zone and on the backs of helmets and uh the very special messages from our announcers at every game um Mm -hmm. do you want to talk a little bit about that uh because i think it's a different animal talking about that i just mean it's a okay movement aside i mean we talked about it in the context of um like when the nfl puts on its breast cancer hat or its military appreciation hat and all of those hats seem much more concerned with whatever money they can make out of the bottom line of this message than about it's not it's no longer personal political protest right it's it's now slap a sticker on it and and charge five bucks yeah i i think what it comes down to is you know people really do want it to watch football and they want to keep they do want to keep it separate from a lot of the other things in their lives. I mean, they're, they're looking for football as escape football as a sport, and they want to just focus on the football. And, and honestly, in the long run, what ends up happening is when an organization tries to take on too many causes, you end up alienating more and more people as you do it. <laughs> I mean, so, that's probably true. There's probably people that get irked enough with the Military Appreciation Month that aren't interested in watching either, right? Yeah, I would say most people that watch football probably are Well, if it wasn't a total overlap on the Venn diagram, having Military Appreciation Month solidified it. And then, but I do think the NFL is taking a risk with the the social justice uh messaging and programming that they've that they've been uh in, that they've been promoting and it just on the surface it just it just doesn't feel like it's they're not doing, just a they're, risk. they're being that genuine like for well, example yeah. i mean like you said you're you're slapping it on your helmet you're 
writing end racism on the back of the of the end zone is nothing but empty words. Well, yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's not. Just what does a that race... even mean? What does in <laughs> What does it mean? End racism? I mean, telling someone to go out and end it right now, or <laughs> what does it even mean? Uh, every just... time you get a touchdown, it's ended. So I, I guess, I, but it comes back. Um, I mean, it. Yeah, it's not just a risk of alienating viewers. Which I mean, again, it's your business. Do what do what you want. If you do, if if that's not important to you, I mean, and maybe they're endearing new fans to them in that way as well. But the bottom line is when you corporatize ideologies like this, it does cheapen them. They they aren't real. They're not one man kneeling in front of a flag and saying, this is what I believe. They can't be by the very nature of some CEO sitting around with his board of directors and making a decision to buy end racism stencils so that they can paint everything with the new logo. Right. Yeah. And I mean, we talked about it. I mean, the, the, the breast cancer and the um, and they wear military the, appreciation. They have the, the pink cleats, and I think that's in uh, October. Yeah. And they have the ribbons, and they have all the, and then they bring the breast cancer survivors out on the field. And I think they give a lot of their money. Did they give a lot of it to the Susan G. Komen Foundation? Yeah, I think that's one of the biggest ones that they that they do. And um, Which I, I did look up how much money that foundation spends. They only spend about 15% of their, of their profits and money on actual like research and, and, um, and like trying to find a cure to cancer. So 85% so is overhead basically is, for the I mean, expenses. Uh, let's see. I mean, they, they have the other, uh, totals here. So, um, it says education, which I guess broadly could be anything from like, okay. I mean, we have, from when we went to a Redskins game in Washington, we have a breast cancer awareness towel that they handed out at the gate. That maybe could be education because it's awareness. I, I don't know. Um, 18% on fundraising and administration. Uh, so they spend 18% of their money raising more money. Yes. Okay. Uh, 12% on screening. So I guess... Screening okay. and research combined is is twenty seven percent. Okay. Um, and and uh, yeah, so uh, education like is super to broad to me. Yeah, you know, we. <laughs> I think we first heard about this from a, it was either a weekend. Uh, what's John Oliver's show? Weekend update. No. no weekend update. Oh, that's SNL. That, that's the SNL. <laughs> our top skit. news program that we tune into. Yeah, weekend update. That's um, how we get all our news. Last week tonight. Last week tonight, or it was either him or it was on John Stewart's show. But that's when we first heard about basically how little money that foundation actually spends. Yeah, if you want your money to be actually helping a cancer patient, there are lots better ways to spend your money to get it. To, to fund somebody's treatment or fund the research to make sure that that a cure is being worked for. Yeah. I mean, not to go off on a tangent, but you have to be very careful about where you send your money because a lot of these charities just exist to make money for themselves. Like the Donald Trump Foundation, <laughs> <laughs> which we all... No, I mean, the other thing is, I mean, going back to the, the main point, it's like, even if... Uh, way more of their money was actually helping cancer. It still doesn't seem that authentic to me that the NFL is like, let's make sure everybody knows how much the NFL cares about breast cancer, right? Yeah, and I, that's 
probably just something that naturally happens as you become a bigger and bigger organization. And maybe it's unfortunate because it's possible that a big organization could actually care about these things. Well, yeah, and it is possible that having the pink jerseys on their website actually does raise some awareness too. It just it does not feel authentic to me. It feels like the same problem um, that we see with the with the activism or the faux activism it, it that's happening. It feels like virtue signaling on the NFL's part. Yeah. Um, the other one that I looked up was the, the military. Um, we had talked about it the other day um, in preparation for this and talked about how much the the U.S. military pays the NFL to, to right. show appreciation. Actually, part of our defense budget, part of yeah. our tax money, gets funneled back to the NFL so that the NFL will put up various... Uh, <laughs> I'm going to say propaganda, but I'm not using it in a negative term. I mean, I mean term. I'm using it just just as a word to say they put up. They're promoting pr- promotions and... for the for the military, and they're getting paid to do it by the federal government. Yeah, so I did look it up in preparation for this after that conversation, and they no longer do uh, pay, or the NFL no longer accepts money, and that is um, due to kind of a a. Uh, unraveling of that 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 happened is uh senator john mccain and senator jeff flake from arizona uh looked into this and realized how many millions of dollars the military was giving the nfl to put to paint everybody's hats green and um, put yellow ribbons on is it a yellow no they do they do the the camouflage ribbons and they come up oh, with right. a special line and of they hats do, and jackets they do military and displays with jets flyovers and, and things yeah, like that so and I think this says that um, all military branches uh, were spending something like uh, $53 million just in the NFL and then more when you uh, factor in MLB, NHL, NBA. $53 million to <laughs> yeah. the, to, the NFL was getting $53 million from the federal government to pretend like they cared about the military. And uh, McCain and Flake uh, worked on legislation to get this changed so that the military couldn't throw all this money at the NFL. The NFL doesn't need our military spending. Um, Anyway, they were successful. The NFL paid that money back. So that is no longer a thing that happens. And we can, we can thank uh, John McCain, uh, fallen hero of this country for, for being partially responsible for uh, getting that practice ended. But even so, I mean, I, I saw um, they, there was a term for it. It's like paid, patriotism or something because mm-hmm. the military was literally handing all of this money for all these patriotic displays of like of wearing the military themed and military colored clothes on the sideline they were just buying all this patriotism and to me like that's the epitome of what i'm talking about with the susan g Komen stuff and the black lives matter stuff it just it feels icky like yeah there's this money just funding all of this and it's like see we care about this but do you or is somebody giving you 53 million dollars to care um and and i i really unless there was some um some impact on their bottom line i don't see them fucking caring about any of it krista i'm not gonna watch the (laughs) nfl anymore either well, no, I, I don't want to go that far but i think you have to you have to think about and interrogate the things that you like um, yeah, you do. And then sometimes you look too far under the hood. Well, yeah. I mean, sometimes you find out enough that 
it's not worth continuing. I mean, we used to go to horse races at Santa Anita, and we can't do it anymore. Yeah, after you watch how brutally... It's brutal. That's just how, suffice how, it to say. How, how brutal the, the accidents are with the horses, and then, yeah, you don't want to really it ta- participate in that really anymore. It's not really fun anymore. So, I mean, we, we have this experience. We don't want to... We want to make sure that we're, we constantly interrogate whether the things that we're getting enjoyment from are worth it and uh, at least know that we have our eyes open on these things. So I, I can't remember if there's anything else we hate about the NFL. Hmm. <laughs> Their beer is too expensive. The, the NFL beer? Oh, at the stadiums. <laughs> Um, my tip on that is sit next to some Australian people and challenge them to a drinking contest. You will get all the free beer you want. I think they're New Zealanders. Right. They're Same difference. Kiwis. Same difference from a beer buying perspective, I think. Okay. So we've just lost our fans <laughs> in Australia and New Zealand. Sorry. I'm pretty sure they were Australian. Uh, anyway, lovely people on their honeymoon. Um, yep. And, uh. Okay, so I guess that kind of wraps up the NFL. I don't know if you want to like say something it, nice about the NFL before we move on so it knows that we don't hate it. I, I think we said plenty of nice things about football and the NFL before. I think actually the, who got beat up the most was, was the college sports right. in this conversation. Well, I think that is where we've drawn the line and said we there's too much negative to I still outweigh. Watch, I still watch some college football sometimes, right? And but I still it, watch some college basketball uh but I I feel terrible that it is they're being exploited harder. to to the degree that they are. Yeah, start paying those guys millions of bucks, and we'll tune back in. I mean, we could go on about how there there are potential ways to alleviate this problem. We could have increased numbers of minor leagues. Or oh yeah, I mean, I think that... probably removing college athletics from colleges is probably a good way to fix some of this problem. Well, some sports should stay. I think it's it's fun to have school spirit and athleticism, but these gateways to the professional sports. But if you're, if you're 18 years old coming out of high school and you're majoring in, this is a true major general studies (laughs) and basically just so you can keep your GPA up high enough to play, like you're not getting anything out of that. They are just pushing you through. They're trying to use your skills to increase their right income i mean on the other hand you got richard sherman coming through with his degree in economics from stanford so well if you're one of the greats you're one of the greats so the moral of the story is if you get paid to play college football take the best degree you can <laughs> don't try to make them put don't go into general studies or communications or well that's your brother got a, a he did a real degree he did um Okay, so that wraps up the NFL. I, I'm hopeful the 49ers will be back and better than ever next year. They won't be better than ever. They'll be better than this year. I have I have very little doubt that, that they'll be better than this year because I cannot imagine worse. And hopefully Dak Prescott will be back for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess, do you, wanna, do you wanna close with something that you like and something you dislike this week? Yeah, we could close with that. Do you wanna go? Uh, you go first. Okay. Mine's mostly just a big dislike. You have to have a like, too. Okay. There's a little like on the end. Okay. So, I'm, I mean, so here we are in the middle of February. So, we've had the vaccine rollout has been going on for about 
six weeks, I guess, since the beginning of the year. I mean, technically, it was going out at the end of last year, I think. Yeah, I guess it's maybe it started for some people in the, the last year. And, you know, actually looking at the numbers right now, considering how poorly we were doing with the high number of cases and high number of deaths, both in the U.S. and in California during December and January, our numbers are coming way down and it probably has a lot to do with just people naturally getting the disease and recovering, but also it probably has a lot to do with the fact that the last time I checked, 11 and a half percent of the U S has been vaccinated now. So I think we're starting to at least get on the other side of this current COVID wave. So I guess what I'll <laughs> say, what I dislike in regard to COVID other than COVID itself, obviously <laughs> is I'm just gonna I'm just gonna come out and say it like I don't like Dr. Fauci. Right. I think that he has for some reason been lionized by certain parts of the media. Well, I mean, I can tell you why. Because simply when you stand next to Donald Trump and complete a sentence, you you look like a genius. Apparently, that that's all it takes. And you know, I don't know much about him. I know that that he was a big name in the '80s fighting the. The, the AIDS epidemic that we okay. had going on. And as far as I can tell from his reputation, he did a good job at that point. But I was kind of pissed when I saw <laughs> a couple of days ago that he's getting this prize called the Dan David Prize, which is associated with Tel Aviv University in Israel. And he's sharing this prize with six other people. It's a million dollar prize. And he is getting the prize because he was, quote, speaking truth to power, unquote, oh, during the Trump administration. Can we make a list of top five phrases that people should never fucking say? Yeah, truth to power is going to be right up close to the top of that list. Not that truth is a bad thing, but what an obnoxious phrase. It, I'm it's sorry. It's obnoxious. It's, it, I don't, I don't want to get into why it's so terrible. But anyway, they say he was speaking truth to power. You know, I can't recall probably the number of times that I sat and watched Trump say the stupidest things during his handling of the pandemic when Fauci and, and Burks, Dr. Burks sat there and either just like closed their eyes and looked away or, or just nodded in agreement. And the biggest thing that really stands out is that Fauci was on board with our stupid Sturgeon General at the time that Trump had appointed. Sorry, I heard Sturgeon General. I don't know. He's about as smart as a Sturgeon. So, (laughs) because they were all on board with this don't wear masks in the beginning of the pandemic. And Fauci was one of the people saying it. So I don't understand what this is about. He was speaking truth to power by saying don't wear your mask. I mean, how many people died because Fauci himself could not even get on board with the right thing? After the fact now, of course, we know that they were trying to do this to prevent a run on PPE to keep it in the hands of the the medical community. But he's a liar. Yeah. And and why are we giving him a prize for being a liar? I don't know. We we talked about this, but we gave Andrew Cuomo yeah, yeah, that's a, a the prize next, that's too. Part of, that's part of my <laughs> ongoing dislike. Andrew Cuomo, who now is in trouble because it's pretty apparent that he's been covering up the number of deaths that have occurred in assisted living facilities in New York, 
was nominated for this stupid thing called an international Emmy because of his uh, performance and, and handling of press briefings during the COVID crisis. Joking around with his brother as he lies about the number of elderly people that are dying in his state. And <laughs> it's just infuriating. Like, yeah, there are these, we have all these people who have no expertise. They, they know nothing. And all they do is just sit around and pat each other on the back and give each other awards and build up, I guess, their increasingly fake CVs. And I mean, what <laughs> I just feel like it's like we're, I mean, it, we are living like in the Truman show. Like this is just ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, anybody with any sense can look up to these people who are running quote unquote running things and they're morons. Like anybody that was thinking about what this pandemic would be like in the beginning should have thought this is a respiratory illness. Why would somebody tell me to not wear a mask? Yeah, I mean, we've talked about this. I was I was listening to podcasts early on with epidemiologists being hosted saying, you don't need a mask, it's not a big deal. And I'm the kind of person that, that trusts scientists, that trusts experts. And it's like, well, look, if they're saying this to me, then I believe it. So I can't, I would come home and say this and you, you're like, Chrissy, you're out of your mind. you got to wear a mask. I don't care what that stupid guy said. And it wasn't even a week or two before the CDC and everybody came out and said, I'm sorry, we lied to you. Right. Um, they... But we did it for your own good. Uh, but I'm still furious. Yeah, and we should be. But but simply because these people were anti-Trump, we're not going to punish them for being idiots and helping mishandle the pandemic. Right. I mean, that's that's a frustrating double standard for sure. Well, I I, I mean, I was going to go on Cuomo for a little bit oh, longer, but I, I don't really have to. I mean, I can. I'm just gonna was just gonna point out that he also had the idiotic policy that that Gavin Newsom was supporting also when the vaccines were rolling out and, and oh, there were penalizing people. That yeah. There were people that were giving, giving out away. vaccines that were going to expire to people who weren't currently eligible in that phase. And both Cuomo and Newsom thought it would be preferable to throw them in the trash than to give it to someone else who wasn't currently, uh, who wasn't currently eligible for the vaccine in, in the, in phase one. So I, I just can't, I, I just lose, <laughs> I'm just losing my mind when I see these idiots getting awards. Yeah, it's frustrating. I mean, again, being the smartest guy in the room, in a room with Donald Trump and his buddies isn't hard. So um, we need to hold people to a little higher standard. Well, it, I hope it, you like something though, too. I like that there are vaccines. <laughs> generally, or you like that there are COVID I like vaccines. that there are vaccines generally. I like that we were, when I say we, I'm not talking about the, the morons that get the awards. I'm talking about the people who are actually experts who have expertise and knowledge and were able to quickly use new technology to get a vaccine out quickly. So... Uh, that's that. I'll just end that with what I like. I'm too. I like that it exists, and that's it. No, that's all I, the joy you can muster. No, I I like that there are still some people with expertise that have some influence, and 
the fact that the vaccine could get produced shows that that is possible. But I mean, that came from the private side. Didn't come from right. people in government. In spite of what so, Donald Trump said that we got it two years ahead of schedule. How many? How many? Uh, seven or something stupid. <laughs> Someone told him that it takes an average of seven years to make a vaccine. And he assumed that he, we have it now seven years ahead of schedule or something. I mean, that's awesome. I mean, some people are saying it's the fastest we've ever had a vaccine. <laughs> In any case, I, 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 I'm getting like really angry now about this, so I'll, I'll pass it off okay. to you. Think on vaccines. Um, what I don't like is uh, expectations around holidays that are supposed to be really uh, special and magical. Um, Are you upset about Valentine's? Did yes, I, did not, I not, it's not your fault. Did I not <laughs> give you enough Valentine's presents? No, it's just this, this this thing. And typically, my all of my rage has been directed at New Year's Eve. I mean, ever since I was 13 years old, I've known that New Year's Eve is just this abominable holiday that just, you just are, if your expectations are low, you just want a goddamn frozen pizza and a and a DVD, then you will have a great time. A but, DVD. Well, I was thirteen. Oh. But if you want the perfect night with the kiss at midnight and the party and the champagne and all of that, just get over it because it's not going to happen. I mean, some of that stuff may happen, and if it does, and you're not prepared for it, then that's great. But if it happens, if you want it to happen, just it never will, and everything is terrible. Um, so this year for Valentine's Day, literally, like we didn't even set the bar that high. I'm not a bar high on Valentine's Day type of person because of my New Year's uh, trauma. Um, but all we wanted was a little bit of slightly fancier than normal Italian takeout on DoorDash. And uh, suffice it to say, after an hour delay and then... Uh, spending 30 minutes talking to customer service and nobody from the restaurant answering the phone and then having no food at 8.30 at night and having to go out into the cold on Sunday to to in search of food. I mean, it's just a disaster. It all turned out fine because we got in and out and we watched uh, King Kong's Skull Island. And honestly, if we had just planned on doing that from the beginning... Because that is where the bar should be. Everything would have been fine. So I'm setting the bar low in the future because I do not like expectations around holidays because they always kick you in the ass. Well, as we discovered last year on Valentine's Day, you usually just can't get into a restaurant like to oh, get yeah. into a nice place. I mean, it's... <laughs> you need a reservation for sure. We went somewhere to... low-key thinking yeah. we would get in and they had a two-hour wait. I think... I. Having being denied food and being denied sleep are two of the only things that will bring me to tears, almost guaranteed. So <laughs> next time, I'm just making sure I have good food on hand, or or it's in or it's in my power to get food from somewhere that we're gonna eat. I'm not relying on the stinking delivery service from the restaurant that won't pick up the phone anymore. So that's so, what I don't like. It all worked out, but no more high bar. Uh, what I like is puppy snuggles. So, <laughs> puppy snuggles. Puppy snuggles. Our puppy Fergus uh, sleeps in the bed 
because he's a baby and he deserves it. But uh, the last three or four nights, he's got he's been real snuggly, just curled up right in my shoulder nook uh, most of the night, and there's nothing better. I mean, that's brief, but it's just true. So puppy snuggles live up to the expectation, up to the hype. Oh, but, yeah, they live up to the hype, for sure. I mean, nothing better. Holidays do yeah, yes. <laughs> Puffy snuggles greater than holidays. So, uh. Okay, I think that's it. We have almost. Well, we have. I'm looking at that and we've recorded a lot now. There's going to be something on the cutting room floor, I think, to use yeah, an old. We're going to try to get an it out old there phrase. as soon as possible and start making our plans for the next one. And, um, this one was a little bit of a just like insight into our brains and things we care about. Um, we'll try to get some more universal. We'll try to get some topics coming up that are less us geeking out about football for, for hour plus. Yeah, that sounds good, but it was fun. It was fun. All right. Signing off. Nobody knows. See ya.